Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And Mazel Tov. The uh, comedian Stephen Wright had a beautiful line when he said, you can't have everything because where would you put it all? Which is a great question because you can't and you wouldn't. But what if, what if you lived in a place where they tried and wouldn't quit trying? How would you feel if you lived in a society where people competed on the basis of what they had, of where success was measured by the things that you owned, of where you lived and the kind of clothes that you wore and the jewels that you collected. How would you feel if you lived in a place like that? Now, we don't know everything about the time and place where Abraham, yes, Abraham, where he lived, but archaeology and the work of translating the written records left behind give us some idea about the kind of world that he grew and lived in. The ancient Mesopotamian records are filled with people boasting about their homes, their bought and sold slaves, the latest chariots, and the people that they outspent. The great capital city of ancient Mesopotamia was a place called Ur, and it was the first metropolis ever built by humans, which is to say, it was the Manhattan of its time. Or had high walls to protect the citizens and their property from marauders. It had courts. And the ancient Mesopotamians loved to go to court. And they loved to sue each other. They had irrigation and agriculture just outside the walls. And they had homes and they had palaces. Mesopotamia and Ur were places for kings and wannabe kings, of the fight to climb to the top by any and all means. That was the place that Abraham called his home. The story that we still live with today is still of kings, or what passes for kings these days. Kings bedecked in Brooks Brothers and Brioni, enthroned in sky-high castles on opposing continents, embroiled in a batter over what else but money. Upgrade your place in the line, or your seat on the plane, or your prison cell, for a fee. Buy a stranger's life insurance policy, pay the premium until they die, and then you collect the benefit, owing cash. Whose idea was it to start charging you money to get your cash from the bank? It's crazy, yes, but if everything is about money, then even money should cost money. Yes, I know every generation likes to think that it was the one that invented sex and fashion and how to be cool. But isn't it, isn't it just a little bit chilling to think how little we have changed? That the same measurements that are still used 5,000 years later to determine if you are a success or a failure. The ancient Mesopotamians found these measurements by what they saw in the sky. As they looked to the heavens, they imagined a celestial world of pawns and tools, as humans were in the heavenly game that the gods played, that the gods demanded and the humans would give. 
that life came and went, but the heavens would stand forever. And in the face of the universe, what does a human life mean anyway? So you get what you can when you can. And you take what you want to climb to the top. And who cares how many you have to step on or over to get there. Because if you got there, obviously it was the wishes of the gods for you to be there. So if the measurements are unchanged 5,000 years later, there is still something different between then and now. Because at the time of Abraham, they didn't have the story of Abraham. The story that we read this morning in our Torah portion is a story of a great swerve, of an idea that created the world that we live in today. The enduring symbol of the world of ancient Mesopotamia was the circle. And it is found all over their palaces and temples and their funeral places. Because those ancient humans believe that we live in an unending circle. All that was will be. Whatever has will come again. Which is to say that nothing you do really matters because it's all meant to happen again. But when we, when we read this morning that God calls out to Avraham and says, Lech Lecha, you need to go. God was teaching Abraham that the real story of human life isn't to be found in imagining some galactic celestial battle between feuding gods that cavort with humans. And it's not found in the mind-numbing irrelevance of repetition. No, God was telling Abraham and each one of us since then that the drama of life is happening here, right now with your life that your choices matter, that what you do and where you go matters. And think, think of all the things that came from that one revolutionary idea. Individualism, the right to medical care, psychotherapy, psychology, human rights, all from a few short words by an unseen God to a single person. In the past century, one of the great comedians was a man named Jack Benny. By far, one of his most famous jokes was the story of a man walking home one night late who asked a stranger for a light. The man turns out to be a mugger. The mugger then pulls out a gun and points it to his stomach and demands, don't make a move, this is a stick-up. And now, your money or your life. And Jack Benny doesn't answer. And the robber then repeats himself, look, I said your money or your life. And that's when Jack Benny says, wait a minute, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Our question for this morning is when did money become the thing? I mean the only thing. And what's the real cost of that money to you and me? This morning as we daven, we will find our answer. Please rise on page. So I have the uh, honor of presenting a, a new piece that the choir is going to do. And uh, to help you understand why we're doing it, there's a little bit of story I have to tell you, because rabbis are good at telling stories anyway. This story takes place a long time ago, about 2,000 years ago, when the Romans were invading Israel, and the Romans were not simply looking to conquer the land, they were looking to obliterate Judaism. They waged the war against the Jews and Judaism. 
they attack both rabbis and students, academies and schools. There was one rabbi, we are told, who persisted in teaching Torah, even though it was a capital offense. His name was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. When the Romans found out that he was teaching, they put a death sentence on his head. When the rabbi heard that there was a sentence on his head, he took his son and they ran into the countryside. And they found themselves in a cave where they lived for 12 years. When word came to him finally after these 12 years that the Caesar had died and the death sentence was lifted off of his head, he walks out of the cave with his son and as he begins to stroll, he sees that there are people who are harvesting and they're planting and they're tilling. And over those 12 years that he was in the cave, him and his son, day and night, delved into the deepest secrets of the Torah. In fact, during those 12 years, those secrets that he developed became the foundational book of the Zohar, the Kabbalah. And as he looked at people doing these mundane things, he screamed out, these people are forfeiting eternity for just moments of this world. And it says that wherever he looked, things burst into flames. A heavenly voice comes down and says, get back into the cave. I didn't create you to destroy my world. So he goes back into rehab for 12 months. And after the year is over, he comes back out of the cave and he steps outside and he sees people who are planting and harvesting and tilling. And he starts looking at it. And just as he's looking at them, an old man comes over with a big bundle of beautiful spices. And the rabbi asks him, why do you have those spices in your hand? And the man says, I just plucked them out of the earth and I'm bringing them home for Shabbat to make my home beautiful for the Sabbath. And the rabbi, we told, was appeased. He was at peace. This is a foundational lesson in Judaism. And it talks to us about money. You see, in Judaism, we believe you don't have to choose between a monastery and a shopping mall. But you must believe in one thing. It is the great lesson of Abraham's life. And that is what you have does not make you who you are. That money does not make mobility. Character does. Only character. So why do we do this Shabbat differently? Why do we have this amazing music, a different format? The reason why we do it is because we want to believe that these great lessons in a place like this, in a moment like now, can help you rediscover what you need to hear in your life. That these things are eternally true. And so the next piece that we have is a cover of a little prayer in the Musaf called Yismichu. It is done to the great song by Mumford and Sons, The Cave. And I hope as you hear this, you remember not only the story, but this great idea for Abraham's life, that you must always hold in your heart both heaven and earth. And by doing so, we will hear the words that God spoke to Abraham. That I will bless you and you will be a blessing. As you hear this music, I hope that you will be blessed and that may you be a blessing. Shabbat Shalom.